Moncrief on News Talk. Now, in 1933, Einstein had become a wanted man in Germany. His bank accounts had been emptied, his home ransacked and a bounty put on his head. He fled to England and during the relatively short time he spent there, he reconsidered many of his opinions, bringing about a change in him in public opinion and arguably the course of the Second World War. On Friday, Netflix will drop a new docudrama about this period in his life entitled Einstein and the Bomb. Uh, uh, Philip Ralph is the writer. Good afternoon, Philip. Hi, Sean. Nice to talk to you. Uh, so, when uh, did Einstein have to be coaxed or convinced to go to England in the first place? Um, yeah, he did. Um, so he was so he was very famous for sort of downplaying the threats against his life. Um, but in through the summer of 1933, many prominent there were there were attacks on and assassinations of Jewish intellectuals throughout Europe. Uh, and it was actually at the urging of his wife, Elsa, that he finally uh, fled. And on and on the 9th of September, he got a boat across the Channel to England. Uh, and uh, did uh, this Conservative MP, Oliver uh, Locker-Lampson, did he organise this evacuation? Um, he, he didn't organise it, but he did offer um, Einstein a place to go and a place to hide. And Einstein had met him during the summer. And Locker-Lampson was a fascinating character. He was He was arguably something of a of a political chancer. So whilst he was kind of, you know, his motives were obviously absolutely pure, he also, bizarrely, once he got Einstein to this secret location in Norfolk, he invited the press to come and interview him and take (laughs) pictures of him. So it it was hardly the most kind of lockdown security situation one could imagine. Um, Uh, But he was the most famous man in the world at the time, so you can't really blame him. Uh, no, indeed not. But, but and, and even at the time, I assume it was pointed out he's supposed to be in a secret location, and now uh, the British press all know the address. Yeah, there was a piece in the Observer where where, where the Observer diarist dryly commented that Germany is perhaps supposed to be looking the other way. So it was it, was, it wasn't <laughs> the, it really wasn't a lockdown situation. But but anyway, I mean, you know, he was. He was relatively safe in England, and I think the English attitude at the time to what was going on in Europe was very different, and they, they, uh, and they looked at it as not really an, a major situation, but one of appeasement against Hitler, who'd only just come to power in, in late 1932. Ah, and, and so, but did Einstein have any sort of guard or anything when he was staying here? Yeah, so, so uh, Locker Lampson had two uh, female secretaries, Barbara and Marjorie, who were armed with rifles, with shotguns, huh. and were his security detail throughout the three weeks that he was um, on Routon Heath, which is just above Cromer in Norfolk. Right. And and this was kind of like a little lodge or a cabin or something he was staying in? It, it was, it, there were a couple of cabins. Einstein stayed in the cabin. There was, a, there was a, um, a kitchen cabin, and then the rest of the party stayed in bell tents. So it was a very, very small little encampment, uh, just hidden out in, in, on the moors of Norfolk. Now, in writing the script for this, uh, there, well, they are, you've written it, but, but like they're Einstein's words. So could you describe yeah. for us that process, how you did that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I've, I've had a history of working with verbatim material, which means, you know, using direct quotes from people. And BBC Science, who produced this documentary, we've done a documentary a few years ago about the Apollo 11 moon landing, where we used verbatim material from the astronauts there. So they came to me and said, look, Einstein was one of the most quoted men in history. You know, he wrote and spoke right throughout history. And um, uh, he, uh, it, so there was lots and lots to choose from in terms of, in terms of what he could say. And so what that means is a documentary 
that every word that the actor playing Einstein says, Aidan McArdle, fantastic Irish actor playing him in this, uh, every single word he said would be a direct quote from Albert Einstein. So that's the, that's the deal. So in the dramatized scenes and throughout the documentary, everything you hear Aidan say as Einstein is a direct quote from Einstein. And during the course of this, are, are, are you tracking Einstein coming to the realisation that the world has changed and perhaps therefore some of his attitudes, particularly towards war, warfare, would have to change as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. So pre-1933, Einstein was a very, very famous and very, very vocal um, pacifist. Um, and at this time, as, what, as the Nazi threat was rising in Germany, he was forced to actually acknowledge that he had to change his position in particular. Uh, so just after his time uh, in Norfolk, he ended up speaking at the Albert Hall and being one of the earliest sort of prominent people around the world to advocate military action against Germany and saying that they, they, you know, what they were doing would have to be resisted. And this was six years before the Second World War. So he was very, very early in that. Mm. When he made those comments, and as you say, this was in the context of, uh, of appeasement, um, yeah. Were they taken that seriously? Were they, how did people feel about this? Um, you know, I think, I think uh, he, there was a lot of pushback against him from the British press, particularly from like the Daily Mail. We've got quotes from them saying, you know, that he should just sit down and shut up. Um, it, it made him even more of a target, if that were possible. You know, he was really public enemy number one. There was a price on his head. Um, and one of the consequences was, you know, he left uh, England shortly thereafter and took a boat across the Atlantic, and he never saw Europe again in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it really, it really did change the course of his life. But as you said at the beginning there in your introduction, I think one of the things that we really realized only changed the course of his life. But because then a few years later, he w- after um, they split the atom and they realized that Einstein's science could literally lead to the construction of a nuclear bomb, um, he was um, approached then to put his name to a letter to Roosevelt, urging him to develop a nuclear bomb before the Germans did. So, you know, this decision, this three-week period that he had in, in Norfolk was really a sort of a long, dark night of the soul for him, of a, a, a turning point in his life, which actually ter- changed the course of history. Yeah, indeed. And and, yeah. and, and given that, you know... Uh, um, Einstein, as you said, the most famous man in the world then, but is was still one of the most famous uh, figures in the world. Everybody knows the way he sounds and, and the way he looks, and particularly in the light of there have been many recent depictions of Einstein on screen. Does that, fa- does that present you with a dramatic difficulty into kind of, do you have to make your Einstein a bit different from all the other Einsteins? <laughs> Um, I mean, fortunately, it wasn't my job. It was Aiden's job. And Aiden, interestingly, has, has played Einstein previously. So, oh. so he has a history. And, he, and he's, he's, a, he's the real spit of the man when he's got, when he's got the curly wig on and everything. So he, so that, and he's also an absolutely incredible actor. And so he did a brilliant job of kind of giving us a sense of, of the internal life of what was going on. But really, I think it was about the specifics of this little known moment, you know. And, 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 and him finding himself you know, hiding out in this hut. He lost everything. I mean, literally his money, his, his property, everything was gone. And facing, you know, the rest of his life, wondering where he was going to go. And he had, he had lots of invitations from lots of academic institutions around the world. But really it was, a, you know, an enormous turning point. And I think for, for us, knowing that that turning point had never really been dealt with before dramatically, it never been covered and very few people know about it that gave us an in to give a to give mm. a fresh perspective on it. And 
given that Wounds must have been fresh when he arrived in England, he'd lost mm. everything. Was he angry? Is there any way of knowing whether he was angry or bitter at that time? He was, he was a remarkably internal man, which is not surprising given how intelligent he was. Um, but, you know, he also seemed to be very avuncular and very, you know, amusing and charming to the people around him. But I think I think there are hints and clues, you know, from during that time and the threat against his life and the fact that he lost everything. I think there was definitely a sense that he knew the weight of what had happened and also his role in history, I think. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, in all the quotes, he was he was very specific about some things, but he was very unspecific about others. So we, we were having to read between the lines. But yeah. yeah, definitely a sense that he was. You know, it really was this long, as I say, this long, dark night of the soul. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Philip, thank you so much for uh, speaking with us today. That was Philip Ralph there, writer of Einstein and the Bomb. And that uh, uh, that's a docudrama and it uh, drops on Netflix this coming Friday. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.